0: Hello and a warm welcome to The Gold Podcast. I'm Mark Koskila and I'm delighted to be bringing you yet another fantastic episode with my co-host Helena Beer. How are you today, Helena?
1: Hi, Mark. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you?
0: Yes, doing really well, thank you very much. So what have we got coming up in today's episode?
1: Well, last week was Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK, which is a campaign run by the Mental Health Foundation. And this year they focused on the theme of loneliness. Here at Gold, we, like many others, think it's really important to continue talking about this topic and mental health in general and not just look at it in a silo during that one week. The need for awareness and management of mental health is a constant. It's also Mental Health Awareness Month in the US during May. So there's a lot of cross continental awareness raising at the minute. With that all in mind, today's episode focuses on mental health awareness within the pharmaceutical industry.
0: That's right. We have some great interviews coming up with Wendy Barty, Senior Vice President of US Oncology at Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Courtney Billington, President of Janssen Neuroscience. They discuss mental health awareness and support within their companies and therapy areas and much more besides.
1: Yes, it's a brilliant listen. But before that, let's dive into the news with things you might have missed.
0: So Helena, let's hear some of the news that's been coming out of the pharma industry this week.
1: So the ABPI has responded positively to a new report from the University of Birmingham entitled Healthy Mum, Healthy Baby, Healthy Future. The report sets out the case for developing more medicines that can be used safely during pregnancy. As we know, there aren't too many treatment options available for pregnant women and the ABPI agrees with the report that much more needs to be done in this area.
0: Steve Hoare, Director of Quality Regulatory Science and Safety Policy at the ABPI, commented that pharmaceutical companies are already working as part of the global research initiatives to generate reliable evidence on medicines used during pregnancy. Key proposals from the report include strengthening the UK's research capabilities to address gaps in biological knowledge, more effective clinical trial support, and harnessing partnerships between government, universities, and the pharmaceutical industry.
1: In other news, Bristol-Myers Squibb has recently launched two educational campaigns plus an annual awareness day for hypertropic cardiomyopathy, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, with branded consumer ads additionally on the horizon.
0: Yeah, the campaigns are aimed at boosting the diagnosis rate of HCM, much easier to say than the acronym, which is thought to affect one in 500 people in the UK, according to the NHS, BMS's Could It Be HCM education campaign highlights the possible signs and symptoms of the condition and encourages people to ask their doctors if they should be referred to a cardiologist.
1: That's right and the pharma giant has partnered with the NBA player Jared Butler to promote the campaign. Butler was diagnosed with HCM himself while in education and through the campaign he'll share his and his family's experiences with the condition.
0: In marketing news, I saw a report on advertising trends from tech platform Viva Crossix entitled 2022 Trends in Health Advertising, and the digital advertising stats really stood out. The report considered over 53 billion digital impressions and found that digital display holds 80% of the total, followed by online video with 9%, streaming with 8%, and audio taking up just 1%, the remainder being taken by other forms of advertisement.
1: The part that caught my eye was that while digital display advertising took the top spot, as you say, pharma marketers saw a 61% increase in the impressions from digital audio advertisements, finding them 120% more effective than digital display. I think it's proof that results don't just come from quantity. Um, pharma diversifying its mix of outputs and utilising newer tactics to drive impact is proving successful.
0: As we mentioned, last week was Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK and May is also Mental Health Awareness Month in the USA. It's such a far reaching and vital topic and we're lucky enough to be joined by two farmer executives who are doing lots of good work in this space.
1: Gold's very own content and editorial assistant, Cheyenne Eugene, caught up with Wendy Barty, Senior Vice President for US Oncology at Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Courtney Billington, President of Janssen Neuroscience, to discuss the resources they believe pharma companies should be making available to their employees, what the industry's role is in supporting patient mental health, and how they themselves manage their
0: own mental health. Both Wendy and Courtney shared some really personal stories with us, so let's hear their insights.
2: Yes, so as Mark and Helena mentioned, I spoke with Wendy Barty from BMS last week, as well as Courtney Billington from Janssen. I spoke with them both separately and started off our conversation by asking them why mental health awareness campaigns, such as the recent Mental Health Week here in the UK, and the Mental Health Awareness
3: Month over in the US, are so important to both of them. First, we hear from Wendy. Thank you for having me, Cheyenne, to talk about this critically important issue. To me, mental health relates to a person's not only emotional, but psychological and social well being. And awareness is critical because we've got a serious problem. In the US alone, one in five adults have some kind of mental illness. And COVID has only exacerbated the situation. But especially with children whose anxiety and sense of isolation, dramatically increased with COVID. And so we must all think critically about mental health as a society. I had an aunt, a wonderful woman who married. She had three children and a host of grandchildren. She was extremely successful and high functioning, but she also suffered silently with both depression and with taking the medications that would treat her depression. And ultimately she committed suicide. We were all devastated. And quite frankly, I don't want any family to have to go through that type of experience or any individual who feels so helpless that they're unable to access the resources they need to get out of the deep hole in which they find themselves. I can't think of an issue bigger than this one where attention must be paid.
2: I then asked Courtney the same question.
4: Well, I I think these campaigns and the focus on Mental Health Awareness Week or Mental Health Awareness Month, depending on where you are in the world, are very important because it's a reminder for all of us where we need to take a pause and think about our own mental health uh, and what we're doing for our own wellness, uh, what we're doing to be more cognizant and knowledgeable about you know, the support we may need or others that we care about or know um, as well. So it's these times where there's a lot more information that's out. We see things coming on TV or radio or programs like yours where they're providing additional education and awareness. Uh, And I would say it's heightened uh, during these times. We know that the challenges the rates of stress are climbing, the issues of burnout and so on and so forth are much more prevalent today than they've ever been.
2: Turning our attention to the role that companies played, Courtney and Wendy told me what resources they believe organizations and leaders should provide their workforces.
3: Well, first I'd like to mention that I think many companies are tuned into the mental health crisis and are taking major efforts to make sure their employees are okay. Um, At my company, BMS, through our employee services, we supply resources for our associates, both virtual and in-person. And in addition to counseling and personal assessment tools, we have one in particular called Our Living Life Better and Mental Health Allies Program. Um, We've instituted something we call Quiet Week. So Quiet Week was born out of feelings of absolute exhaustion and anxiety. As people were struggling during COVID, to find a balance between their home life and their work life. It wasn't a week off, but rather a time without meetings, without workshops or engagements with colleagues, just a time to be quiet, to be thoughtful and do quiet work. It was so well received that we're doing it again this year, even though we aren't quarantined anymore. We recognize that people are just exhausted, quite frankly, and and they need to feel supported. And so, we're really committed to making sure everyone is taking their vacations, taking the time off, and just giving themselves the self care that they need in order to continue to be productive and to be happy. We're also giving employees time off to pursue charity work. You know, studies have shown Cheyenne that that gratitude actually increases well being and reduces reduces one's anxiety. This is in addition to a variety of awareness and support activities geared towards employees that are being conducted by BMS throughout the entire month of May. And I think every company needs to think think really, um, think through how they too provide services that ultimately improve or support uh, mental health for, for their teams.
2: Courtney also offered his thoughts on the resources he believes leaders should be offering their workforces.
4: Well, so, you know, as I mentioned, because of the, the high levels of stress, the challenges with burnout, when you think about people working longer hours, the tools that we have, right, iPods and cell phones and, you know, computers. I mean, I've got two phones in front of me, and an iPad and a laptop. Um, and our lives were on 24-7. And so with that, we've got to make sure, and we as employers, managers, leaders, we need to take a higher level of ownership and responsibility for helping our employees to be able to better manage some of these challenges. We have to help them set boundaries, right? We've got to, as leaders, be open to those things and recognize when people say, hey, I need a a mental health break. Right is to be able to support them, which has not always been the case. I would say with conventional management. Um, and so, as a leader, when I look at the tools we offer, we offer, you know, as part of our health plans, uh, mental health support, not just for our employees but their entire family, the ecosystem around them. You know, we have 24/7 capabilities and professionals in the mental health space who are there to provide you know, direct counseling, uh, recommendations on other tools and things that they can get. We have online services. You know, Maybe some people respond more to just engaging with online tools. So we offer a host of webinars and free health services, uh, training programs. My team, we're getting ready to go through uh, my entire company. We're going to be going through a mental health and well-being training. We're going to do some mental health uh, first aid training that we do periodically and we offer to our employees. We, we have employee resource groups. I think many companies have them. They're focused on different areas. You know, some might be focused on LGBTQ or uh, African, you know, ancestry, Hispanic, women, we have all of these different groups in Johnson & Johnson, we have more than 13. But one of our fastest growing employee resource groups is uh, our mental health diplomats, right? And it's uh, a group that has been formed, it's global around the world, and we provide them resources and tools to support them as they're going through their mental health and wellness journey. So there's a myriad of things Uh, that we have, I'll call it as tools and resources, but I would also say there is a piece as well with regards to how we lead and manage that we've got to continue to, to develop, reinforce for our employee base as well.
2: Wendy works within oncology, an area which can be particularly challenging in terms of mental health and diagnosis. In this respect, she told me what Pharma's role is in best supporting patients.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So I think it's important to kind of start with, you know, acknowledging that when someone goes from being a person to a cancer patient, irrespective of the stage of their disease, they immediately think of their mortality. And for cancer patients who have mental health issues, the diagnosis presents graver issues, as again, studies have shown that they have poor outcomes than those who are mentally healthy at diagnosis. And while everyone has a unique response to their cancer journey, there are common stressors to every cancer journey. Anxiety and stress are heightened due to the the onslaught of tests and treatment and people, and all that can be overwhelming. Also, you know, no matter how effective treatments may be, there are often side effects that can impact one's quality of life, causing further anxiety. This doesn't even include the anxiety around how The cancer diagnosis affects the family. I don't think it would be an exaggeration to call it a form of PTSD. And while needless to say, it's critical to focus on physical health, it's equally important to take mental health into consideration. One must feel that there's hope, that there's life after cancer. You know, my mom is a two-time cancer survivor, breast cancer survivor, and it was her attitude and faith, how she prioritized her mental health that I believe had a tremendous impact on her positive outcomes. Even following remission, patients often have the nagging feeling that the cancer might return. This doesn't go away. And so mental health of cancer patients requires constant, constant vigilance. I asked Courtney
2: how he manages his own mental health and much to his surprise, meditation has become a huge part of his life.
4: You know, if you would have asked me this question three years ago, And you would have said, hey, Courtney, have you tried meditation? I would have like looked at you kind of funny and said, meditation. And actually a few years ago during Mental Health Awareness Month, actually, I committed for like the 30-day period, I said I was going to do meditation every day. And since that point, I have been doing and utilizing meditation, gosh, I would say six, seven times a week just to help me decompress. It may even be during the day when I'm in my office between meetings. I'll just throw on a five minute, 10 minute, you know, deep breathing exercises, different things, maybe out walking and I'll listen,
2: put on my headphones and and do meditation. I then asked Wendy how she best
3: manages her mental health and whether she had any tips and tricks. Oh, well, you know, I think we're all a work in progress. Um, You know, I'm a working woman with a hugely demanding job and a large team of professionals who depend on me. I'm also a spouse and a mother of a teenager. And so stress, quite frankly, is ever present. Um, for me, it's not about eliminating it, but rather learning how to best cope with it. During the COVID-19 quarantine, my daughter, um, who, who happens to be an only child, you know, I remember the day like it was yesterday. She made me feel so guilty because she didn't have a sibling to be with. And, and she too experienced isolation and anxiety. And so it was important for both my husband and me to focus on our engagement with her and each other. So between my job and family, I've got a really full plate, but I've learned to take care of my mental health by looking after me. And so what does that look like? I work out with a trainer about three days a week. I try to do it three days a week. Um, and I find that resistance training kind of you know keeps me calm and it keeps me centered. It also helps me deal with fatigue. And in addition to that, I carve out time just to hang out with my friends. I love my job. I love my family, but honestly, I need time sometimes away from both to maintain relationships that that really do kind of nurture me and support me outside of of my relationship with my family.
2: I then wanted to get Courtney's take on how he thinks we can best support the mental health of those we know and love. If I think about you know being on a
4: plane, right? I always use this analogy where. The flight attendant, you know, as they're going through the safety instructions and they say, first, if we have an emergency, make sure you put your mask on yourself, put that oxygen on before you take care of the person next to you, the child or whoever. So that self-care is so important for the, the caregivers, the family members around, like you can get so, so stressed and burned out trying to care for, be empathetic. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how to help. You didn't tell me. But take care of yourself first, because if you're not doing that, you're not able to be the best you can possibly be to help someone else. The second thing I would say is educate yourself, right? And there are a number of different tools and resources out there. When you're in a crisis, go to the trained professionals Prepare yourself and be ready. It's just like, you know, we have these uh, kits that we put in place, like at my house. Well, we have a box with batteries and flashlights and water and canned goods if the power went out or there's a hurricane. The same thing I think we need to do for ourselves, especially as a caregiver uh, or a supporter or a practitioner, is have your own, I'll call it mental health, mental health and wellness support toolkit that you know where you can go to during that time of need and crisis to where when you're in the middle of it you're not scrambling now trying to say oh where is that pa- I, there was a phone number i don't know what the number is so take that time to do that proactive planning
2: i then finish the interviews by asking both wendy and courtney what role they think pharma plays in elevating the awareness and support for mental health more broadly
3: here's wendy's take I think the pharma industry plays a a significant role, quite frankly, in supporting and elevating awareness around mental health. Fundamentally, we're in the business of developing and commercializing treatments to make people's lives healthier, physically and mentally. Um, We want the whole person to be well. And so along with the treatments that we develop, we create patient education materials that are not only designed to be product-based, but also align with healthy lifestyle choices, mental health, and other well-being attributes. Um, As an industry, we're really committed to helping people fight life-threatening issues and illnesses. So in addition to the medicines themselves, we really must ensure that we're also providing access to information and education um, through the total life journey, which definitely includes mental health. And I think one area where pharma has really kind of Um, straight played a strong role is ensuring that patients have access to medicines. No one wants somebody's uh, mental health to be compromised or no one wants patients to feel the anxiety about how do you pay for medications or how do you access medications. That's a stressor nobody needs. And so pharma has certainly stepped up to ensure that we've got programs and services in place to make sure that people are able to get access to the innovation that ultimately can save their lives. I've heard it described many times that when a person is diagnosed with cancer, when the doctor says you have cancer, suddenly they go into a fog and they don't hear anything else that's said after that. And it's actually after they step away from the doctor's office that they suddenly have a ton of questions. And just being able to go online and access information is so empowering and pharma plays a critical role in providing access to information at the point of diagnosis and quite frankly, through the entire treatment journey to try to give people comfort um, or at least to make them feel empowered through information to help them manage through their cancer journey. And we finish off with Courtney's message.
4: So I think pharma can lead by example, right? We're, when you think about pharma and other healthcare companies by nature, our role, our missions, our visions is all about health, right? And how do we elevate and transform uh, the health for humanity? That's that's our purpose here at Johnson & Johnson. And so when I look at like months like Mental Health Awareness Month, we as companies need to double down and provide the utmost support to our own employees, but also to the communities and environments that we support. Uh, So we need to partner with others who are out there that either provide tools to family members, and we do that through maybe sponsorships and and other things to where we can help enable them as partners to do the roles that they have. You know, when I think about, you know, and I've talked a a lot of Mental Health Awareness Month, this month's theme uh, for this year is Together for Mental Health, Together. So my challenge to pharma and also healthcare as an industry is that we continue to look for ways to make sure that we first improve mental health care and wellness support tools, and that we make it accessible for all who need it. And we know that there are disparities, there are a number of barriers, there are challenges. We talk about you know, the issues of stigma We need to help break down those barriers, break down those issues because we have a number of resources and we should use those resources for good to help make sure that we have good culturally competent care for all.
0: And sadly, that brings us to the end of today's episode. A huge thank you to Wendy and Courtney for imparting their wisdom on such a relevant subject.
1: As we said at the beginning of the episode, we think it's so important that this conversation is kept going outside of the awareness campaigns that we're experiencing at the minute. So it's definitely something we'll return back to over the course of our Gold Podcast seasons.
0: Yes, indeed. And on a slightly lighter note, but but important nevertheless, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from if you haven't done so already. And we'll be back as ever next week for yet another brilliant episode.
1: We will indeed. See you soon.